0: To the Gamers In. Come on in. Pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host Ryan. Hello, Ryan.
1: Hello, how's it going?
0: Not too bad. I didn't realize that our game of the year episode was actually gonna be coinciding with episode four hundred of the gamers in. Dude, we've been doing <laughs> this so long. How long is
1: that? Is that eight <laughs> it's years? It's literally
0: eight years. Eight wow. years
1: that's uh that's a that's a long time
0: yeah dude so long so thank you all of you guys yeah skyrim (laughs) yeah that's how long skyrim's been out uh thank you guys so much for sticking with us through eight years of amazing content if i do say so myself i agree uh it's been a it's been a fun ride we're not going to do a whole retrospective on eight years of the gamers in that would be nuts i think we stopped
1: doing that
0: we definitely after did. like
1: year three, it was like okay, well, it's kind of yeah, hard to just keep looking back. One hundred fifty is
0: enough of a milestone. Let's just stop.
1: <laughs> stop looking back.
0: We kept yeah. going.
1: It, I mean, if we stopped after one hundred fifty, we're doing a terrible job at stopping. Yeah, because we did another two hundred fifty <laughs> episodes. Uh, but yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, so yeah, this is episode four hundred of the Gamers in big milestone. Uh, Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Mm
1: -hmm. thank you that's a lot of fun i really appreciate being able to do this every week
0: yeah it's really fun and i love doing this show because it's basically like a a kind of a catch-all for my gaming life which i absolutely love i just get to you know sit down talk to one of my closest friends every week about just the everything because i mean all my other shows are very very specific in their scope and this show just lets me sit down and have a conversation about what the heck i'm playing whether it's for 30 minutes or 30 hours and uh yeah it's just it's been a really really fun ride and i'm looking forward to maybe 400 more i mean who knows
1: (laughs) you never know until you try right
0: yeah exactly new milestone (laughs) (laughs) episode 800 (laughs) i think like
1: yeah oh man 800 would be in another eight years it's hard to think that far ahead I mean we you don't could just, know where
0: you're gonna be in like twenty twenty seven?
1: I mean probably handing this show down to my kid I don't know. I'll early <laughs> return.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I would love to podcast with Caden, yes. <laughs>
1: I just that's a weird thought, honestly, in the sense that like he will be Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Anyways, yeah, twenty twenty seven is also the future.
0: Yeah, did not mean to, yeah, well, mean to like totally mess with your head there (laughs) but yeah so that's enough about episode 400 what we're really here to talk about is game of the year 2019 and there were some good ones there Mm. were some really good ones this year so um i guess we should just jump right into it i mean what are we waiting for we got a lot to (laughs) discuss we do and so uh i should just say uh very very quickly those of you who listened to the pixels episode that i did with patrick earlier in the week If you guys haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It was really, really fun. I love being brought on Pixels every year because I find that Patrick usually has a very eclectic group that he invites to Pixels, which means that usually I go into the game of the year discussion, like thinking I know, right? And then no one's lists match. And I get all of these super cool gaming experiences um, kind of recommended to me. And I always come out of those episodes feeling like I just I have so many cool experiences ahead of me. So If you haven't listened to Pixels yet, go and check it out. Again, that's uh, Patrick Beja's podcast over on uh, French Spin. So uh, do go check that out. What we're going to do today is slightly different. I've even (laughs) since doing the episode of Pixels, I have actually kind of changed my list around. Plus, we are not kind of restricting ourselves. Patrick told me three to five maximum. Guys, we have lists way longer than that. Mm. We're basically talking about the experiences that we had in gaming in 2019 that were memorable. So our lists are a little bit longer, but I think uh, very thorough, shall we say. So first off the top, Ryan and I have two games that didn't actually come out in 2019 because it's our game of the year and we can do what we want. These games are experiences that we discovered this year that were not what we were expecting and that kind of drew us in and gave us some really great experiences. So Ryan, why don't you go first?
1: Right, so uh, I believe this was later on in the year with Sea of Thieves that we played during Extra Life. Uh, Yeah, it would
0: have been like October, November. Yeah, and I was skeptical
1: To be honest, like I never thought I would jump into this game and thoroughly enjoy it. I know Jocelyn, you did a a mini a mini series uh, podcast about sea of Thieves at launch. Uh, you still spoke highly of it as it continued to build, and I was I just yeah. There was yeah. a
0: definite downtime. There was mm-hmm. like a good eight months to a year post release where um, they had to make a lot of changes to their development cycle, and it kind of uh, was in a lull because of what it launched with wasn't. Enough content for a lot of people, not to mention they expected people to hit Pirate Legend, which is essentially endgame, a lot later than they did. So they had always planned on creating endgame content and patching it in like months and months and months and months and months months later. Mm -hmm. People ended up hitting Pirate Legend within a couple of weeks of launch and their timeline just didn't line up with that. So when people hit Pirate Legend, then they were just like, there's no content here. Like, Hmm. WTF, why am I playing this game? And a lot of people left. And they did a lot of work to rectify that. And that is essentially the Sea of Thieves we have now. And I know I talked about Sea of Thieves last year in our Game of the Year episode uh, for essentially the same reasons. Is, uh, you know, they did a lot of work. They put in a lot of new systems. They've continued iterating all the way through 2019 to the point that the game is so full now it's almost an embarrassment of riches and I don't know what to play like I don't know where to go I don't know what content to try cuz there's so much in there now.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I didn't and I wasn't really following it. I don't I don't have a ton of time to kind of pay like to keep the pulse to on to pay attention? <laughs> well, to pay attention to everything, really, especially uh, there's so many games as a service that just are pumping out content. There's so many games that launch that are that are being addressed uh as they go forward with these constant updates and i feel like when see if these came up as a as a game to play during extra life when i popped in i think you can even watch the transition of like okay see if Thieves, let's do this too oh my gosh this is a lot of fun uh and i mean it goes to the company we had i think it was uh me you josh and kearney and we were having a blast uh and oh man it was so it was so much fun and and honestly i wanted to keep playing every opportunity we got and the updates yeah, and they actually, made are crazy. We did,
0: we did keep going back to it. We went back to it a couple of times and even to the point that like you, just you and I jumped in and yep. we jumped in on like three man ships and stuff. And we played, I mean not a ton because there's been a lot of stuff going on in the last couple of months, but we, we definitely dove back into Sea of Thieves quite often and it was great. And the thing about Sea of Thieves, the way they're doing updates now is that they're doing these kind of events but then all of the event content stays in the game after the event is done. So it's no longer the focus of what the game is. And there are other events coming out kind of over top of it. But that stuff never goes away. Yeah. So by never taking it away, like I said, they've created this embarrassment of riches content within the game. that there's stuff all over the place to discover, to quest, to, to dig up. And, and it's just, oh, man, it's so much fun now. And you, de- you never get those like feel-bad moments where... Because Sea of Thieves, obviously, is better with friends. It's probably one of the only games, I think, that I wouldn't really want to ever play solo. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of multiplayer games that you can play, you know, by yourself or with a bunch of randoms and stuff, but Sea of Thieves is the best experience when you can have it with friends. So it... Kind of creates because of that. It kind of creates the possibility for feel bad moments if you are running limited time events, because when you go into the game, if you don't have all your friends with you, or or you can't play, or whatever, and you've ended up missing an event which happened with the first few events that they did. Uh, I know I tried to do some content with Josh, and you know we just couldn't coordinate or whatever, and then we ended up missing it. Right. And it's like, oh man, now I've missed it. I'll never see that stuff. So they've kind of just gotten rid of that problem. They're like, "Oh, you can't play with your friends for another couple of weeks." No worries. We'll be into a different event then, but the old stuff's still there. Like you can mm-hmm. still go in and kill a an meg. That's doable.
1: Yeah. No, and and I think because of the the way they've been doing that and just stacking on new events and new content when we're playing, there's just there's something to do constantly and the stuff that may have been an event in the past is just now another layer. Whereas Mm -hmm. when we were playing, we were getting attacked by the Kraken and the, the, uh, the skeleton skeleton ships
0: ships. yeah, and then the
1: Megalodon. And, and that led to moments. And then the, the persistent online world that led to moments across the board. And I think it's just, it's the right. So if last year we talked to, you know, you talked about how it's kind of, it's kind of gotten into a good pattern near the end of the year. This year, I feel it's, it's taken advantage of that pattern and the system and now it's this interlocking ecosystem of, of just things that are happening all at once and, and it's a party. Uh, and just playing with playing with her friends was was a blast. I look forward to doing more in 2020 to see where this game goes. Uh, and if my game pass ever runs out, I could see myself purchasing this game and having it sort of at the ready. Because it it was is a lot a of fun.
0: Huge endorsement, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: No, I I've, I really appreciated the time we had with it, and and I'm glad we were able to talk about it. I think that's the whole idea of why devs put so much work into continuing to keep their game alive, so that when these conversations come across, we can we have an avenue to talk about it in a in a game of the year fashion. And I'm I'm glad we get to do that again this year.
0: Very, very much so. And I kind of feel very similarly about the one that I have in this uh, kind of same space, which is Dead by Daylight. I don't think anyone is going to be surprised that I'm going to talk about Dead by Daylight when it comes to my 2019 year of gaming, because uh, Dead by Daylight for me, first of all, like when it first launched, it was super fun to play with friends, but I didn't really want to play with or against random people. And I just kind of fell off of it because there was so much else, you know, being offered. But this year, I, oh my gosh, how did I even come across it? I feel like there was one night on Twitch where there was just, you know, nothing really going on. None of the people I was following were streaming. I was like looking at who was streaming Hearthstone and there was no one I found particularly entertaining. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to branch out a bit. I'm going to see what else is going on around Twitch. And then I saw like Dead by Daylight was doing, you know, pretty well. It was it was before the fold, if you want to think about it that way, when it comes to, you know, when you go to the browse page on Twitch. And I was like, hey, you know, I used to have a lot of fun in Dead by Daylight when we played it for Extra Life. Like, maybe I'm going to go and and see who's streaming. And I ended up finding uh, a streamer that I found hilarious. He was so entertaining And then I started watching like the gameplay and it just sucks you in so much. It's so exciting. And I don't know what makes Dead by Daylight so much different than other games. But I think even if you don't play Dead by by Daylight, because it took me a solid two or three months of watching Dead by Daylight streams literally every day before I actually picked up the game again, because I don't know, there's just something about that game. It's really, really, really fun to watch. And I've had Cause for a while I was streaming it after our raid nights and I haven't been streaming raid night lately because I don't know, we've, you know, had eternal palace down for months and it's boring to watch now, or I assume it would be boring to watch. So I've just kind of been keeping that time to just mess around with my raid team. Uh, so I haven't been streaming dead by daylight late at night anymore. And I've had a few people like come to me and be like, Oh my God, we miss your post raid dead by daylight streams. Dead by Daylight's so much fun to watch. It's great. And uh, yeah, so you get this really interesting kind of community full of people who just love watching the streams and may or may not actually play the game. So it took me a few months to get in to play it. And what actually kind of pushed me over the edge was I watched them do their uh, anniversary stream. Okay. And they put out a roadmap of exactly what they were going to do for the next year of the game. And I think this was uh, in June, I believe. And they basically said like, okay, every... I think it's, is it 12 weeks? I think it is. Uh, Every 12 weeks, we're going to put out a new chapter. And every 12 weeks, but like offset by six weeks, we're going to put out a mid-chapter patch. And here's what's going to be in each of them. So they were like, you know, new map, new killer, new survivor. And then, you know, this killer's getting a rework six weeks after that. And then six weeks after that, you're going to get another new killer, new survivor, new map. Like... And it just, it was, they were doing so many things. They ended up launching essentially like a battle pass sort of idea with a whole bunch of cosmetics. They ended up um, getting the license for Stranger Things. So you got to be the Demogorgon. Like, right? it just, I mean, it, it really seemed like kind of similar to actually Sea of Thieves and uh, even Hearthstone this year. Even though they've been out for years at this point. It very much feels like for these games, 2019 was like the year of them kind of coming into their own. So like fixing a lot of mistakes, um, creating a lot new of more content and releasing on a more regular and faster schedule to the point that I just, there was just so much to do in Dead by Daylight and I was having so much fun. I was like, absolutely, I want to play this every day and I want to grind my way up the ladder and I want to like, measure my success by just doing better than i did last month and i play both sides i play survivor i play killer and it's just such a fun experience to the point that i've put 300 hours into it over like since june basically so six months yeah that's a lot
1: and i mean my my favorite part about dead by daylight from you know as a uh, someone who appreciates it from afar i mean to play it on but I like the balance they're striking with licensed content versus, um, cre- you know, original content because I feel uh, it can be. And I, and they did do this not this year but previous years where they just kind of did like oh you know uh, Freddie Jason I I, I, no, I haven't done Jason not Fred, Jason but Freddie Mikey, you know that sort of thing like oh Mikey. Fine, I oh Mikey <laughs> you know the Ninja Turtle um so. I, I, I think they fell into that trap where they started to do that, but this year it's kind of been sort of a, uh, a one than the other where you have the stranger things thing, which was a super license. Uh, that's and that's hot, right. We just had season three drop that and this this came right around that uh, sort of time frame, if not maybe three or four months later. And then you've got, oh, well, you know, it's a big thing. They're going to do something there. And then they didn't end up doing that. they I think they added a different clown. I think
0: that's, yeah, I think that's still coming. So, okay. well, the, the clown's been in almost since it launched.
1: Right. Uh, the clown
0: was one of the earlier killers that they did. But I do think, uh, basically, there's rumors swirling around because all in the same day, uh, like the official Dead by Daylight account as Well, as a whole bunch of the developers all went and followed Stephen King on Twitter, like within minutes of each other, right? So it was kind of like, guys, you're the worst at keeping secrets, like the <laughs> absolute worst. And also, why were you not already following Stephen King? He's a treasure, but, anyways, um, yeah, so there's, there's rumors of a Stephen King, um, patch in the works, but yeah, this year they did, um,
1: Ghostface? Yeah. They did the they, Scream guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, they did the Scream guy, Ghostface. They did uh the Stranger Things Demogorgon patch and they've done the Oni, which is like a Japanese warrior, samurai kind of um demon thing. But that
1: that's that's <laughs> um That's like their own it's um, original, yeah. creation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good and and again, like I I think their original content even stands up against the licensed content. And I think it was, uh, it was probably tough to do Stranger Things. You know, it's easy to kind of take like, oh, an 80s icon, not easy, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of similar. It's a, it's a, it's a simple one to match, Uh, you know, Michael, Scream, that sort of thing. But when you look at Stranger Things, like that's such a unique, first of all, it's unique. And then also you've got, you know, uh, these humans running around that they have to look, they have to look. they have to have that likeness right and the other one was they added ash from ash versus evil dead i don't know if that was this year um uh
0: i think it was i think it was early on this year i think ash was added just before i started playing right
1: and i mean outside of his grunting he's fantastic um (laughs) because i remember it's like man your character's so loud it's like i know he won't stop he's old and hurt uh (laughs) But yeah, Dead by Daylight's a solid choice, and that game, they've really been pushing the console versions. I don't know what the state is of the console versions. Obviously, the PC is probably the place to check it out, but I think they just launched on Switch this year as well. So They
0: did very recently. I believe it was in October that uh, the Switch release came out, so now they're on all platforms, and I mean, kind of similar to any other game, there's like... Not necessarily control issues, but control differences because you're going from, you know, controller to mouse and keyboard. So some killers are very powerful on the console. (coughs) Excuse me. Some killers are very powerful on the console. Other killers are more powerful on PC because they're just too hard to maneuver on a console. But um, yeah, I mean, they are on all the consoles now. So uh, as far as I know, the Switch launch went Fairly well, I think there's still some patching issues, but um, it sounds like uh, because I've heard of patching issues before with uh, Hearthstone and iOS specifically with the kind of uh, patch approval process being super long for Apple products. Mm -hmm. So I think they're having a similar issue with Nintendo and Xbox as well. PlayStation seems to be pretty smooth, but Xbox patches and Switch patches seem to be really like sometimes days after the other
1: systems are patched, so there's been some
0: issues going cross-platform. But you know,
1: but they don't have they don't have cross-platform play, do they?
0: I believe they were talking. I think they have. Um, like, if I have one account on my PC, I can log into a console and get access to all the stuff that I have on my PC account. I think. I haven't actually played on console, so maybe I shouldn't say. Mm. Um, But then I think they were talking about um, cross platform, at least with Xbox to PC. Um, I think they were kind of like testing that out. So they're, they're, playing in that water anyway
1: <laughs> a lot of people are i, I think a lot of testing folks those want... waters
0: that's a better that's better testing <laughs> those waters is the saying
1: <laughs> yeah well with cross play it's tough like you want to make sure you you have enough people playing your game and you have friends that want to play with each other and they may not have the version like see if these was one where you know uh josh would well, join yeah us we from were his on xbox. yeah
0: we were on pc and josh was on xbox yeah
1: yeah. So I don't know if they if they're looking into it but there is there are competitive reasons to not do it as well. Like you don't want to queue up with a bunch of PC players when you're on your, you know, you're on your Switch, right? So Yeah. I see yeah. both sides for sure.
0: But yeah, so uh, those are kind of our two uh games that we've really enjoyed this year even though they didn't necessarily release this year and and I'm going to throw my next game kind of up in that category too. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here, Ryan. Sorry, but um, I'm going to talk about Hearthstone Battlegrounds because Hearthstone Battlegrounds in a year where Hearthstone, I think has been in its best place, uh, maybe not competitively, but in terms of like the experience of players on the standard ladder and in arena, they seem to be, you know, much more agile than the team used to be. And they've made a lot of really great changes and they've been experimenting with a lot of things that the Hearthstone team in previous years has said that they would never do, including things like buffing cards, moving cards back from wild for a limited time. Like they've been doing a lot of things that the original Hearthstone team was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) So 2019 has in general been a really good year for Hearthstone. I think probably its best year, actually. And then the expansions that they released, too, have all been really, really fun and really powerful and just full of crazy stuff. And then the Hearthstone team goes and introduces its first new way to play since Tavern Brawl came out in 2015. Four years!
1: That's crazy. (laughs) Crazy. I mean, they they obviously add content, but not... uh, Modes is a big deal. Exactly, but
0: Modes is... Yeah, Modes is a huge deal. And so... They kind of dip their toe into the world of auto chess. And I kind of when I was looking at all our games, I was like, you know, I'm going to add Hearthstone Battlegrounds to my list because first of all, it's really, really fun. It's fun. It's got an addictive gameplay loop. I've really, really enjoyed it. I've played much more Battlegrounds since it came into beta. This is kind of the other reason why I wasn't thinking I should put it on my list. It is technically still in beta.
1: When is it supposed to launch fully?
0: Oh, they haven't really said. Uh, it so may not even have like a full yeah. They may not even have like a, an official like launch like. It's maybe probably... they just remove the little beta tag.
1: <laughs> maybe it'll be beta but forever. Anyways,
0: yeah. So uh. So yeah. Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Ever since it it came into uh, open beta, I've just I've played it more than I've played any other part of Hearthstone. And I thought that we should probably include something on our list. They kind of fell into that auto chess genre. So it came out earlier in the year, right? And then there's been a lot of iterations on auto chess itself. So like Dota put one out. Uh there's a Team Fortress or um TFT, not Team Fortress, <laughs> but uh Team Team Fight Tactics. There we go. <laughs> I was like, I know that TFT acronym is in my head hidden somewhere. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of these auto battlers now that are available. And so this is basically Blizzard's entry into that genre, which I was never expecting out of Hearthstone, but it's super, super fun. And as someone who's played a lot of Hearthstone, obviously, over the last five years, it was very intuitive for me to get into because I had watched streams of auto chess and I was like, I don't understand. Like, how do you even play this game? What is happening? Like, (laughs) so Hearthstone in true kind of like Blizzard fashion has that easy to understand hard to master sort of a vibe. So it's been quite an experience to to kind of play and grow within Battlegrounds and I've had a lot of fun. It's it's kind of like taken over Hearthstone in terms of even like streamers and stuff. There are so many people now who are not streaming arena or standard ladder or wild or anything. It seems like everyone's playing Battlegrounds. And that's huge considering we just had, like a week ago, a new expansion launch. And it was like people are now splitting their time, even though it's a week after an expansion comes out, they're splitting their time 50 50 or more in favor of Battlegrounds over Ladder. So Hmm. it's just, it's so much fun. If you haven't tried it, if you've been away from Hearthstone, Battlegrounds is now free to play, it's open to everybody open beta so uh go and check it out i think <laughs> personally. i personally
1: <have laughs> i have not played it yet and i i have not played a lot of the auto chess stuff i think i played like half a match of dota on underworlds or underlords uh and didn't really it didn't really match sort of what i was looking for but yeah hearthstone battlegrounds i keep meaning to try it uh what's the time investment on a match i think that's something i i never really Captured, like is it? is it it depends?
0: <laughs> I mean, it it took about um well, it can take it can take up to probably like thirty minutes, but it all depends on how well you do and what the dynamic of the people in your group is because it's a lobby full of eight players. So you always have the option or it's always possible to tie. And so if that starts happening, which I find uh, happens to me um, sometimes, I wouldn't necessarily say often, but it, it can happen where you build a board and your opponent builds a board and they're pretty much equal on power level to the point that even the randomness of the attacks doesn't necessarily swing the match one way or the other. And so if you get into a situation kind of like that, then you start to then matches can start to drag on a little bit. But okay. in general, I would say if you're placing first in a lobby, then you're probably looking at about 20 to 30 minutes. If you're placing like fourth, then you're probably looking at about 15 to 20 minutes. And then obviously, if you're worse than that, you're, your game will go faster, right? So but it usually takes you like if you are absolutely last, uh it usually takes five or six rounds i would say to lose all of your health (laughs) so yeah it and those five or six rounds will take you five to ten minutes hmm that
1: doesn't sound those kind of
0: 10 to 10 to 30 minutes basically for for a round of battlegrounds depending on where you place
1: all right well i'm gonna check it out i've added it to my list of homework i feel like (laughs) there's gonna be uh, a long list of homework you even brought some homework from pixels that we, we i did might get we're at least gonna we're at least gonna run gonna through t- the list yeah
0: we're yeah we're gonna mention them at least but, but
1: yeah. uh yeah no i will add it i have added it to my list all right hearthstone battlegrounds okay i got it i'm
0: so sorry <laughs> but yeah so i i did think that hearthstone deserved a mention in uh in our games of the year of 2019 but the other one that deserves a mention and has been it's like everyone forgot that this game came out in 2019, I forgot or they <laughs> they wanted to to forget that it existed, or what I don't know. But man, Days Gone, people just don't give that game any credit whatsoever.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is interesting. I think you know I do a zombie podcast, uh, and my my co host uh, also had no interest in Days Gone, uh, but we had we had we had some listeners write in who really love Days Gone and i think for the way i can describe days gone for me or at least the way it grabbed me was uh i did a lot of traveling um this year throughout the year i literally packed up my ps4 brought it with me to the hotel went to the front desk asked for like uh, the remote because if you go to a hotel sometimes you can't change the inputs so i had to ask for the remote and i explained to them like i'm away from home i want to play my video games can i have the remote and literally sat there and played Days Gone until probably like two in the morning, um, just alone in my hotel room. I never get that amount of time <laughs> to play games yeah. <laughs> uh, because I was trying to finish it. Uh, in the sense that you and I were both playing it around the same time at lunch, and and I was surprised that you you had latched onto it as well because you're not a you're not a you're it, you're very selective when it comes to zombie stuff um, because it's not all great and.
0: Yeah. Zombies yeah. for me, it's, it's not my genre of choice. I mean, if I had to pick a horror thing that I like the most, I like ghost stories the best. Mm. And then probably vampires, then werewolves, then zombies. Like <laughs> zombies are definitely at the bottom of my horror choice when it comes to, to themed consumption. So, I mean, I was just not down for zombie content in general. I wasn't too stoked on Days Gone, but I was definitely intrigued. And the reason that I was intrigued ended up being the reason that I really, really loved this game. And that was the fact that no matter how high I leveled, no matter how powerful I got or what I learned to craft, hordes and fast zombies made me feel like I was always potentially in peril. And that is something that a lot of video games, if they are open world, if they do allow you to kind of grab xp all over the place and and kind of craft your own story usually you will outlevel the content and in days gone i never felt like i outleveled the content i played so much of that game i you know hit all the caps and still the final battle i have yet to beat that last horde and it's like i've gotten it down to you know 10 or 15 zombies left And you make one wrong turn and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. Like that few zombies in that game are enough to basically cause you to die. And as frustrating as that final horde got, it still made me want to keep attempting it. Mm -hmm. And I was really glad that, you know, the big ending of the story, like the big final battle, wasn't something I just rolled over. Whereas if I'm comparing that to, say, like my Pokemon, I didn't even care about tight matchups by the time I made it to the end of the story because I'd done so much leveling just by like going around and looking for Pokemon and doing battles out in the wild area that like I was 10 and 15 levels above stuff that I was supposed to be fighting in the main story. So I was like, it doesn't even matter. I one shot everything, you know, the the big legendary Pokemon comes and I'm just like, meh, whatever, like <laughs> two attacks for my character and you're dead like
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) so it's it's really anticlimactic when that happens and because of the way Days Gone was designed it was like it never got to that point for me I never felt like I was overpowered compared to the enemies I always had to think about it I always had to be strategic even when I was walking around the open world sometimes I'd like come around a corner and one of the big beefy guys would like knock me off my bike or something And then before you know it, you're like just being overwhelmed because he's pulled a couple of his friends along too because he's so big and loud. And that was another thing, right, is the is the different kinds of zombies in the game. Again, like you might traverse the same area time and time again doing your quests, but what's spawned into the area is different. And so you have to treat an area differently. And I really enjoyed all of that. I just, I always felt like I was... Going to potentially die, mm-hmm. and I could never just like turn my brain off and run through a field. And I, I really like that about the game that it never got too easy. It never just, you know, let me, which it's funny <laughs> that I'm kind of talking about Days Gone like this when Sekiro is something that I didn't even touch. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But I well. did. I always felt challenged, and I always felt like I could potentially be in danger in Days Gone, and that kept me going through um even i mean i thought the story was great too but yeah. uh, but the combat and the mechanics were very compelling for me
1: yeah i agree with you on the the combat and gameplay but my one of my favorite parts was with the story it felt like it wasn't telling it was telling one overarching story but it was telling a bunch of parts to that story where i feel like there was at least two or three endings where they could have said oh tune in for the dlc when we complete the story or tune into the sequel um and it just it it kept going in a fashion that i was comfortable with and you'd think with the characters like oh they're all a bunch of bikers like sons of anarchy kind of showed you could do a little bit more with that type of character and this felt like oh maybe they're just gonna try to do that and they did expand quite well i thought on sort of the biker genre of characters and from a zombie their
0: characters had a surprising amount of depth actually Mm. i mean the i i really liked the the main kind of romance story between the main character and his wife that it, it kind of evolved in a really interesting way later on in the story and, you know, I, I liked his relationship with his best friend who he'd been with since the start of the apocalypse, basically. And I yeah. thought that the best friend story specifically was really, really interesting how, you know, like they dealt with themes like, you know, uh, PTSD and, you know, losing limbs and, and shadow or what's it called? Or phantom uh, limbs phantom and pain. Yeah, yeah, phantom pains and stuff and and depression and, yep. you know, uh, the feeling like less of a man and unworthy and all these kinds of they dealt with some really interesting themes in days gone with the with the best friend character that I mean they could have just not (laughs) but I thought they went in an interesting direction a a lot of times yeah they could have taken the easy way and instead they took the interesting way and I don't know if people just didn't get there or didn't care or didn't read the text or what but <laughs> i actually i really enjoyed the characters and i thought that they were very interesting and deep in a lot of cases
1: and i think that when you look at the zombie genre and i, and I say this on zombies Date my podcast it's a genre filled with garbage so you can't blame people when they say oh zombie movies uh it's like yeah oh i get it there's a lot of bad stuff But, you know, you look at The Walking Dead and the way they've been able to, even, you know, even if you're not a fan of current Walking Dead, but early Walking Dead, where everyone was a huge fan, um, they married sort of human drama and the zombie genre together in a way that made it very compelling. And I think that's what Days Gone does really well, as you were saying, like dealing with real world human emotions in a zombie apocalypse and still finding unique ways to kind of keep the characters moving forward, um, keep keep you surprised. And the way they set up the sequel is honestly going to be, uh, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it's honestly something that feels very different. So when we experience Days Gone 2, picked up right after the sort of post-ending uh, cinematic uh, from Days Gone, we're going to be dealing with some, some interesting things that I don't think we've experienced in modern zombie uh, genres or, or maybe even before it's, it's an interesting take on, on the genre. And I, I love the, the horde mechanics, like you said, it's just scary as all get out. And the game, the game does kind of throw one at you or a couple at you at the very end. So, you got to be if like if you're trying to beat it and you're trying to get through it to i don't know say talk about it on a podcast (laughs) it can be very difficult to steamroll through those hordes because they're like okay maybe you've been avoiding them the whole game but now we're going to throw three or four totally
0: what i did yeah i avoided them pretty much the whole game but then i mean they are all over the map by the time you hit the end game they're all on the map like you can see where they are and everything else so i mean there are opportunities to go and, and practice before you go take on the lumberyard horde. So like, I, I get it. I, I should have done, you know, more prep work probably, but like you said, I was trying to get it done for the show. So, but yeah, I am very excited to see where they take a sequel because the sequel is essentially going to play with what I found to be one of the most interesting parts of the days gone story is the fact that there's still something out there in terms of a government and that's something that 9 times out of 10 and Ryan I mean you're an expert on you know zombie apocalypse movies and TV much more than I am but in general governments tend to fall there's like no remnant of previous society there's no police there's no research there's no nothing everything collapses and everyone is kind of left to fend for themselves in most genre or most uh, zombie genre fiction so hmm it was really interesting to me in days gone. And I don't think this is really a spoiler because it's like in trailers and stuff, but there is still some faction of the government that has survived. And that to me is really interesting and compelling. Yeah. And it seems like they're going to explore that a little bit further uh, in a sequel.
1: Yeah. People, people scoff at that sort of thing. You have to do it very carefully. People scoff at that in, in, in the zombie genre. Um, and you know i don't want to mention specifics just in case people haven't you know ex- or, or haven't experienced it yet but with days gone um the way they treat i think it's zero uh the the government organization it feels it feels right you know they're spooky they're knowledgeable they're kill on site type black ops stuff and it just fits um with the yeah it feels like if
0: any if anything if any part of any government was going to survive it would be crazy creepy black ops people yeah and but the (laughs) yeah the
1: the great thing about it is they're present that's the one thing in zombie genres where the government agency is still around they are in the shadows if you see them you're you know you're either in the right spot at the right time and then you're not coming back but in this uh when like it everyone knows who they are and they like yeah there's these they're still around you know we don't see them as often as you used to but i think it's great that the presence is known uh, even if they are this mysterious being, because again, like even the, the zombie hordes, like they're slowly learning about the zombies and kind of collecting that information. I, I feel honestly, Jocelyn, you know, I think we're probably the only show that is going to talk about days gone in this light, in this, in this category, in this level of
0: detail and category. Yeah,
1: totally. (laughs) I've heard nothing of days. Yeah. Honestly, before days gone launched, All anyone did was talk shit about it for some reason. And I think it's really just it's it's the thing I don't like about sort of uh, personality driven content these days, because it's like, well, if I'm not into zombies, I get to to shit on it. And I'm not going to pay attention to it because it's just a zombie game and blah, 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 blah. And the game has its issues don't get me wrong. Oh, for sure. It's not, it's
0: not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Had all kinds of performance issues, especially for me on my like OG PS4, not the, not the pro version. Like it definitely had its issues a hundred percent. Um, but I think, you know, all games have some level of issue, but still, um, it's not a perfect game by any stretch, but it's definitely one of my games of the year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I played the whole thing all the way through to the, to the end, which is, you know, something that, doesn't necessarily happen all the time for me like a game has to really grab me to for me to make it all the way to the end because I have you know two other podcasts that cover two games very specifically in a lot of depth so I have to spend a lot of time playing those things uh, every week and so finding time for other games usually has to be a really really compelling fun interesting experience to get me to want to spend more than you know 10 or so hours in it and days gone was like Mm -hmm. by the time I was done it was probably like 40 or 50 hours that I played it like I just I loved being in that world yeah
1: I was in the same boat and I'm surprised I finished it but uh, I'm glad I did I really Mm -hmm. I enjoyed every moment of it
0: absolutely so we should probably move on because I swear to god I could talk about days gone for another like Half an hour. I but... think we had a month
1: where we talked about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we
0: did. We totally did. We definitely did. So, if you guys are interested, yeah, go back about 20 episodes of Gamers You'll probably find all our days gone episodes. But um, speaking of really interesting story, for me, one of my best experiences this year that was a little bit different than anything else I'd ever done before was in Man of Medan. So, uh, this was done by the people who did Until Dawn, and they've created an experience that is a co-op storytelling experience. So it's very much the same mechanically as Until Dawn. But the difference is you can uh, play it either solo or with a friend. And streaming this and playing with Josh and having him on comms, which is basically how it almost felt it was designed, created such a fun experience that like, I just, oh my God, I just, I loved it. It was so great. And we had some really fun moments. So um, it's part of an anthology. So there's another one coming in 2020. Uh, Little Hope, I think, about a kind of small town America horror mm-hmm. story.
1: It's like a witch thing. story, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a witch thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm really excited about this. I It definitely deserves a, a spot in this conversation because the story itself was really interesting. I love the way this company seems to blend like real life with the supernatural and kind of plays with your mind a lot. I really, really, really like that. So um, I I think I can't really recommend this enough. And I'm very glad there's a new one coming in 2020.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited. I I enjoyed it. I I didn't put it on my list, but um, I still enjoy my time with it. And I think the you got to play with the co-op as well. You played with Josh Uh, i
0: did yeah we streamed it actually
1: yeah yeah and i i didn't get to experience that side of the game but it sounded like it was a really cool sort of addition right
0: it was it was it was really interesting to you know have time pass at the you know at the same moments sort of thing but be playing through different content and like being in different places and then having you know a discovery by one person maybe like skip the the other person's story forward to get you back to meeting up at the same place again. Like, there was lots of really interesting tricks that they did in uh, Man of Medan to kind of keep you on the same path at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I can't recommend it enough. And I do think the co-op experience kind of made that game. I don't know if I would have liked it as much playing single player, but um, Mm. there are two sides of the story to experience. So you can go back and play... Uh, from a, with a different starting character and that'll give you different characters to control like as you move through the story. but uh, but yeah, I think co-op is definitely like the way to go <laughs> cool.
1: no i I definitely plan on I think I picked it up on maybe Xbox, we'll have to play so.
0: together um when little hope comes out next year. Yeah, I think it's little I think it's called Little Hope. I think
1: so hope. too. I'm yeah. I'm buying it on Steam this time. I bought it on Xbox i'll I'll buy it on Steam so I have I have people to play with and we will definitely do co-op for sure.
0: So what about you, Ryan? What is next up on your list?
1: Well, uh, I uh, put Resident Evil 2 on my list. Uh, Funny that this year, Year of the Zombies, Mm two-fifths of my list is zombie-related. And yeah, so Resident Evil 2 got the remake treatment in late January of this year. So again, a game sort of popping on the list from January. And I had to remind myself, it came out this year. I had to do some digging. But uh, I... As much as a zombie fan I am, I never really played the Resident Evil series until they started to kind of remake them in in more modern engines. So the first one I would have played would have been the first Resident Evil remake on GameCube. Uh, And then Resident Evil 2, now I played it on Xbox One, and it's a reimagining of the Resident Evil 2 that came out on N64 and the original PlayStation. And I played maybe a snippet of it on the N64, and it was terrible. It was really bad. Like, it's just a bad port, but also, like, I think it came out quite late. So there were other better games on that that platform. Uh, So it was rough. But I remember key moments of those, uh, of the early sort of playing of Resident Evil 2 on N64 in this remake. And just the way they brought it up to the 2019 level is superb. And the fact that they've announced a, a, a similar remake for Resident Evil 3 makes me really excited. That I get to kind of do that again because they put a lot of like love and craft into it and there was all these memes about Mr. X which was fantastic I, you probably saw them they might have percolated up into your feed I don't It would have been a definitely while ago definitely did not <laughs> definitely didn't okay so Mr. X is this character that would chase you around and and that's one of the things like the mechanics of the game where you're you're you have your zombies and you have some other monsters but you quickly learn how to deal with them uh but mr x is immune to your attacks you can stun him at best but the point is you have to run away from him uh and and sort of lose him quote unquote and what would happen is you'd hear sort of the music kind of slowly fade in and then all of a sudden like he would just burst through a door like he'd open it up and he's just big burly guy and he just chase you and you have to run away and he and he chase you into zombies and he chase you into other things and i think that's what kind of made the game uh kept you on your toes because as you're playing and exploring the mansion or the you're exploring raccoon city like the different you know maps and stuff and trying to find secrets and items because it's a survival game as well suddenly you have this large monster to deal with as he's chasing you around and I know that sounds terrible, but honestly, the way they put it together is kind of exhilarating and uh, rewarding all in the same time because it, you really feel like, oh, man, I got to get away from this guy. And and it really led to some moments. I, I would probably compare it to, to what you would uh, probably best understand is like in Sea of Thieves when uh, sharks come at you and then you realize, okay. oh, <laughs> there's more than one shark. There's two of them. And now I'm being chased <laughs> by two sharks. Uh, yep. All right. So I you, know those feels. <laughs> you understand those feels. So again, it's like, it doesn't make you hate the game. It's certainly not quote unquote like fun, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's an alarming moment where you're like, oh, you're, you're, you know, your heart's racing. You're just like, I just got to get out of here because sharks. Uh. But yeah, I had a blast with it. I actually played through it twice. So it had the, wow. it had two characters that you could play as. So Claire and Leon and uh their stories were intertwined so uh the way you played it so if you played i played through claire's playthrough first and then leon's playthrough through second and when you do it that way it's actually an a b run so the a b run has like claire being the full story and then you, when you play through leon it's sort of a shortened version to kind of fill in the gaps of what leon was doing while okay. claire was adventuring and then you can do the opposite where you go through play the ba the run where it's like you play as leon and then you play as the filler with with claire as well so you get the full story um by playing both perspectives and it's just different enough that you feel as though it's uh it's an entertaining experience And, and that goes back to sort of the way they treated these games in the early days right where it's like well we can only do so much with the cart or the cd so we need to make sure that we have some fashion of reusing assets and extending the game but they they really brought it up to 2019 in a way that doesn't feel quite like a like an asset flip right with with a new character so yeah I had a blast with it I didn't honestly think I would really get that into it because Resident Evil hasn't really been my jam lately but really really liked Resident Evil 2 that remake so I, I recommend folks who are interested in it to check it out before the Resident Evil 3 remake in in April for sure
0: very, very cool. And so you also played a lot of, and I'm, I'm really surprised, I guess your list is in no particular order, no. right? Because I, I thought this would have been like tip top for you this year, but
1: uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses. So
0: how much time did you end up sinking into this one?
1: I, I think my playthrough is at like 80 or like 50 or 60 hours um and fire emblem three have, you, H- have
0: you like finished it now is there no. is there an end to fire emblem three houses and have you hit it <laughs> the
1: end so the end of fire emblem three houses will be playing the four paths. so okay um, i really enjoyed fire emblem three houses but again like time commitment wise i'm i don't I, i've kind well, 50 of the
0: hours is still a lot because um, actually when i did pixels with patrick he basically said the same thing he's like i played 50 hours i don't have a lot of time for games but I played 50 hours of Fire Emblem Three Houses and I was like, damn, dude, like that's when you when you're sitting there saying, you know, I got, you know, wife, kids, lots and lots of commitments. Finding game time is really difficult, but I managed to find 50 hours for Fire Emblem. It's like that's a lot of hours. It, that's it a is. a lot of
1: time. There, there are like maybe four or five games, some of which that aren't on on this top list here, that I basically shut out all other games. And just focus on that game, and and to the point where like every waking moment of free time is is spent on that game, and and that that obviously can be tough for from a content generation perspective. But Fire Emblem Three Houses was one of those games where I just played it, and I I did the Black Eagles playthrough, kind of knowing that I so here this was it was a gamble, but knowing that I was probably only going to have time to play through completely one path i kind of googled like okay best path for the first playthrough if i'm only doing one and it was a spoiler free sort of like okay like black eagles sort of um and then a specific version of that black eagles path so i did that and i i thoroughly enjoyed the game honestly the way they've they've taken the fire emblem franchise and and sort of added on to it in terms of the meta layer we talked about sort of the whole whole schooling thing is where every character can kind of be whatever class you want them to be as opposed to in previous Fire Emblem games where you, that guy's an archer you just you just talk to that guy and now you have a new archer as opposed to in Fire Emblem Three Houses they say okay you have nine students and you can shape them as you see fit and sure like you know the guy who prefers Lance is probably going to make a good Lance guy uh, but you can totally make him a, a, a mage if you really want to you know uh, even against sort of his you know wishes and or against bonus his stats. Will. <laughs> well everyone's everyone's pretty good there's only uh there's only one moment i think in the game where uh it's the way you 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 uh reward someone with the dancer class uh there's a competition there's like a dance competition and it's like okay whoever wins the dance competition gets to enroll in the the uh the dance as a dance class and I guess there are certain characters that if you say I'm choosing you as our champion and if you win you will be upgraded to a dancer <laughs> and sometimes it's like it's usually I think it was uh one of the lords I think it's Dimitri and there's a great quote out there where he's like no you can't pick me I don't want to be a dancer and uh but no he still becomes a dancer and it's it's really cool the the attention to detail that they've done in in the voice lines uh and and all the text and stuff but Superbly uh, localized. I really appreciated all the sort of dialogue and character development. Uh, I I would love to go back and play the other paths, but I don't think. Does it all
0: like end in the same like place, the same way? Like, how? What are the advantages to playing through the other pathways in
1: Fire Emblem? So this is the thing. In previous attempts by intelligent systems to create Fire Emblem games with multiple paths. They usually did have a very similar, you know, branching effect where they go out and come back in, uh, or at least are similar enough where, like, there's a lot of reused content. But in Fire Emblem Three Houses, those paths vary v- quite a bit once you 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 hit the point uh, of part two. So part one, you choose your house, and it's very similar. It's, it's, I mean, I haven't played the other ones, but I'm assuming it's very similar in the sense that it's all based in the school, you know, um, the maps and modes, uh, missions you go on is based on you being like the, you know, the, the top class because the main character by list is, is with that sort of house. So obviously you're going to get chosen for all the main missions and there's, uh, there's not much of a varying degree, but then as you get to part two and there's a moment of sort of a, um, sort of a shift in the wind, so to speak, where part two starts, that's where it, it, it's wildly different based on which house you've chosen and in the case of black black eagles, um, which house you've chosen, and then which choices you sort of set up to impact, there's actually two part two versions of part two for that specific house that you choose. Um, so yeah, the stories are wildly different, and they end in all different sort of areas, right? So with black eagles, some people who are your enemies are actually your allies, depending on which house you choose, um, or even which 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 choices you make so it is four very distinct paths that end with different stories so it's kind of like impossible for them to do a sequel to this unless they choose like a canon unless they
0: choose which ending is yeah yeah but
1: but all the endings are very different to the point where like there really isn't a clear canon choice you know like most games there is the canon choice because it's like okay we go with the good ending or we go with the bad ending but this one has four very different Yeah, it's like we go endings. with the
0: ending that gives us all the characters that we'd like to pull through to the sequel.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's DLC uh, that's been coming out and I haven't picked it up yet because I'm mostly looking forward to the story expansion they're putting out uh, in, well, sometime in 2020. So I'm excited to see what that is because I, I do want to play more Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I did try the new game plus to do a new, start a new path. Uh, and that was kind of interesting the way the new game plus gives you you know points to spend so you can kind of like beef up your characters early on or unlock stuff that took you 30 hours to unlock. Suddenly now you've you, you can unlock like you know um, uh, support conversations and classes and sort of professor levels through the points you've earned. Um, that helps with your new game plus. But I, I think for me I'm more I'm more interested in sort of the story expansion they're gonna have as opposed to trying to devote another 50 hours. I would love to devote another 50 hours to it. I just, I would have to just stop playing all other games in order to, in order to do that. And I I don't know if I have it in me right now because there's so much good stuff that even in 2019, I didn't get around to, but I really enjoyed Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I think, I think a lot of people on our Discord did as well.
0: So we're all done with Fire Emblem Three Houses, but we're not done with Nintendo because Luigi's Mansion 3 is on both our lists and that game is so charming i don't know how far you've been able to make it through so far but i mean this is another one that really grabbed me and i played all the way through to the end i loved the the level of puzzle solving that was required in luigi's mansion 3 because it really ramped up i felt um just even within each layer of the hotel like each floor of the hotel there were some of the like gems and secrets and stuff to find that were like smacking you in the face they were so obvious But then there were others that were really, really hard to find and really hard to figure out what you were exactly supposed to do in order to access them. So I felt like it was more challenging than I was expecting, which then made it very compelling and made me want to go all the way to the end. What about you, Ryan? What what did you think about Luigi's
1: Mansion? I, you know, it's funny. This is a so in 2019. I think I tried to be like, oh, I'm strong and I'm not going to buy games that I don't have time for, even though I love Luigi's Mansion. And then uh, for some reason, the only game I did that to was Luigi's Mansion, uh, which was terrible because <laughs> it's, an, it's an amazing poor game. Luigi. I know, poor guy. He gets so, such a bad actually- rap.
0: I do, I do have to ask you, did you mm. make it all the way uh, to the final boss fight?
1: I didn't. No, okay. I'm, I'm very oh, okay. close. I I actually have been powering through it and I've been really enjoying it. I think I've got like three more floors, um, not including because, the top one.
0: Yeah, there's uh, the penultimate boss is one of my favorite boss fights. I think I told you this before. It's one of my favorite boss fights in probably all of video games. It's really challenging when you're doing it as a single player and it's kind of like mind bendy cool because you have to switch between the two characters of mm. Luigi and Gooigi and you have to control them both. Like there's stuff happening in both places all the time. So you have to be jumping back and forth oh, between neat. them. It's such a cool boss fight. I really, really, really loved it. And it's kind of like it's better than the final boss fight, but there's a moment between the two. So uh, I don't know how like spoilery you want me to get, but there's a moment that happens between the two of them because obviously you rescue Mario, right? Right, of course. So, yeah, of course you rescue Mario. So they really play with the dynamic between the two brothers (laughs) really well. It's so funny. There are so many moments when you're kind of like traversing the top of the hotel to get from the penultimate boss to, you know, fighting the final boss. And uh, so just the whole time they're doing that traversal is just playing with the dynamic between the two of them. And I'm not going to spoil any of the jokes, but dude, like that part of the game is so good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hmm, i can't wait like
0: i really i want you to get there because i feel like i'm just gonna get a text message when you do with (laughs) one particular joke i i feel like you're really gonna it's just it's gonna resonate with you and i'm gonna get a text message and it's gonna be so good i can't wait to share it with you
1: (laughs) i want to finish and again luigi's mansion 3 is one of those games where i'm like i'm gonna finish it over the holiday break uh literally caden and abigail both will ask oh are we gonna play luigi's mansion can we go play luigi's mansion um, like I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go for a run and then I'll come upstairs and the kids are awake and then they'll come down and and I'm coming from upstairs and, and they're like, oh, uh, we're going to go play Luigi's Mansion even though it's like we haven't had breakfast yet. So they're, <laughs> they're really into it as well. They love the ghost dog. But I, oh man, I'm having so much fun with just the way they take the character of Luigi and uh, run with it. And, and it's not, and the amount of ways they f- they find to portray scared Luigi in a unique way mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, probably my favorite part so far has been the fact that in order to, so you go around and you're rescuing sort of the, the, the people you brought alongside you, your friends, so Mario, Peach, but as, as well as like three toads. And there's a moment where you save a toad and in order to get these gems, these collectibles, you have to like suck up the toad. And then shoot him at a case of glass to break it, and yeah. I'm like, "Well, game <laughs> it's like of the they year can't
0: want me to do this, right? This yeah. isn't what they really want me to do." And then you do it, and it works. You're like, "Oh, poor Toad," but that's amazing.
1: I feel like that would be sort of in the in the rule book or the codex of an external company working on a Nintendo game. It's like, yeah, you can't use Toads as weapons, or at least yeah. use Toads <laughs> to break things that would seriously hurt people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> Um it's so and true. <laughs> the the way the way the game is is very much a series of boss battles that are kind of one after the other I mean they're they're little floors so sometimes you you do a bit of puzzle solving and then you're fighting a boss and you're on to the next floor. Yeah and I yeah. love that setup you're right the puzzles sometimes the puzzles are simple sometimes the puzzles are the whole level uh and they're they're all unique and you're constantly thinking to yourself like why am I stumped? What am I forgetting? And mm-hmm. oftentimes it's like, oh, I need to use both Guiji and Luigi at the same time for this to work, even interacting with the same item for it to yeah. work. And you're constantly having to remind your brain of all the opportunities you have at your disposal with, with yeah, both Guiji like- and Luigi.
0: It was, you know, not only just with guigi and Luigi, but also just all the things like your your flashlight, your vacuum, because the vacuum both <laughs> sucks and blows. Yes, so it does. it's, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of tools at your disposal and already just as Luigi and then double that because Guigi has all the same powers, except that he can't touch water, but he can walk through like bars and stuff. So it's like there's so many tools at your disposal, which allowed them to create a lot of very intricate problems to be solved. And you kind of get stuck, or at least I got stuck a few times because I was in this headspace of like, okay, I've just picked up this new power where I can, you know, shoot a plunger at stuff and then pull and pull the thing over. So clearly that's how I solved this problem because that's the newest power I just got. Meanwhile, the game is pulling from some of the stuff you might have got in, you know, floor one or floor two. And you, like, haven't really used it much since then or whatever. But they really did a good job of kind of, like, making use of all of your powers all of the time to to keep you thinking about all that stuff. Hmm. And if you forget some of your stuff, you're going to go through floors and you're going to miss some of the gems on the floor or whatever. You'll probably be able to make it through in terms of like boss battles but sometimes you just straight up won't like i had forgotten about the fact that you can like suck things up and throw them and so like there were a few boss battles where i'd forgotten that that was a thing i could do and then i'm like oh my god how do i even beat this boss what's going on and it's like i had forgotten about a whole like tool in my toolkit. And, you know, as soon as I remembered, then I was like, oh, yeah, OK, right. I can do this thing, too. But I haven't done that for two floors and it just hmm. escaped my mind. And, you know, they do a really good job of keeping all your skills very relevant.
1: Yep. Yeah. So
0: I, I I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I said, the second to last boss is one of my favorite, if not my favorite bosses in all of the games that I've ever played. Like, it's oh. just it's so good. Oh, it's man. so well designed and so like difficult, but doable, but and you just feel so much satisfaction when you're done with it that like the final boss is almost a letdown. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And I think we experienced the final boss. We did experience we, the uh, final we boss. We did the multiplayer, yeah. which is uh, which is really strong too. But
0: yeah, so I guess it's not like you've already kind of been spoiled by our multiplayer experience. But yeah, yeah so uh, the big uh, King Boo as your final boss, it's got like the boss fight before him is actually better and more compelling oh, um so yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think my favorite part of luigi's mansion 3 has been um the floor where you have the director who's lost his sort of megaphone thing oh yeah and the fact <laughs> the that the movie one yeah, yeah the movie one and the fact that i couldn't figure it out for the longest time like what am i supposed to do here like there's a camera and then i'm going through all the rooms and suddenly like Egad's like hey that shot had fire in it you could use that for this and i'm like but still how does that work you have to like put Luigi on the camera, then switch to Gooigi, who then goes into the movie and the set suddenly turns into the movie. And that was just so yeah, clever. Yeah,
0: so neat? Yeah.
1: And the fact that the four sets all interact with each other was also incredibly clever. And then at the end of it all, like you get your award and you have this like choice. You can finish the game. I guess this is a bit of a spoiler, but honestly, it's it's not really impacting the game. But you uh, you have the choice to skip the ghost. You don't have to suck him up. You can just kind of leave him to his to his own whim to work on. Yeah, because he's
0: like, yeah, he's he's not necessarily like friendly to you. He's more indifferent to you because he's so caught up in the creative process. Exactly. So he just wants to make his movie. (laughs) But he rewards you. he He does. Yeah, he does. So uh, yeah, I mean, I what did you decide to do? Did you did you suck up the director?
1: I I left him because oh
0: uh, I totally sucked him up.
1: <laughs> well, see, I was playing with my kids and uh, Crofton actually Crofton had spoiled it not again not spoiled it for me but it kind of went over it. So on Dungeons and Diapers he had played it through the whole thing with his oldest uh, and I, I guess Crofton wanted to know how what would happen if he's if he sucked him sucked him up and and his daughter like was not happy about it so now no now every time they play they have to go to like the the lab and check on the ghosts because uh his oldest wants to make sure that the ghost is okay in the containment center
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's adorable i
1: said you're a monster crofton it's uh it's uh, it's official you know (laughs) but i guess i am too (laughs) well i mean you know i I don't
0: know if you got an achievement but i got an achievement
1: (laughs) you got an achievement for getting them
0: yeah i feel like um that's the um like there's like a hidden achievement on every floor. So like on, right. on one floor, it's like the, the game floor or something like that. Um, and there's one room with a pool table. So if you actually play pool on the pool table and knock the balls around with your, um, with your vacuum, then you get an achievement for playing pool in the games room. So there's a, a, there's something like that on every level. And this kind of is another reason why I like Luigi's Mansion so much is there's a lot of layers of things that you can do on each themed floor. So you can hunt for all six gems. You can go back and try to capture the boo that inhabits the floor after you've defeated whatever the boss ghost is. You can go through and try to find all these hidden achievements uh, there's just, there's so much to do outside of just the go to the floor, beat the boss, go to the floor, beat the boss, that, uh, it kept me really engaged with the game a lot longer than I thought I maybe would have.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's been a lot of fun and I, I look forward to playing more. Yeah, more dude, you have to beat it, it.
0: Cause we have to have a, we have to have a discussion probably off air about the, the last little, you know, traversal bit with Mario. because Oh my God, dude.
1: We so will. Good. <laughs> we certainly will. Oh, I can't wait. It's definitely gonna be it's gonna be probably the last game I finish in, in twenty nineteen for sure. Uh
0: so just wanted to remind everybody, uh speaking of the end of twenty nineteen, uh, we are coming to the end of our extra life campaign. So if you are interested in donating, you are actually running out of time. You can go to bitly slash TGI extra life twenty nineteen to donate to the cause. I believe that it actually wraps up on December thirty first. Our final stream is going to be this coming Friday, December 20th. We're going to stream starting at 8 p.m. Eastern over on twitch.tv slash JossPlays. So do come and check it out. We're going to be playing essentially any game we can find that is having some sort of Christmas holiday-themed event. So if you guys have any uh, potential games that you want us to play any suggestions do hit us up on the discord it is bit.ly slash tgi discord also if you guys would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you like the content that we produce we're gonna do a little bit more here guys we're gonna talk a little bit longer but we promise we are in the kind of honorable mentions section now so uh kind of experiences we had in 2019 that we wanted to mention to you guys, we're not going to go into full detail like we did with our kind of top five, but um, there were a lot of other things that happened, a lot of other games that came out in 2019 that were definitely worth mentioning, uh, including, okay, this is probably my biggest frustration of 2019, The Outer Worlds versus The Outer Wilds, whose <laughs> freaking like um, uh, thumbnails like <laughs> look almost exactly the same. To the point that I know I've seen the the like uh, poster for Outer Wilds, but it never clicked in my head that Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds are two different games. I thought people were just screwing up the name of Outer Worlds.
1: <laughs> I also had this issue for a little bit. I think when Outer Wilds was first coming out, I was like, oh, I didn't think Outer Worlds was coming out until October. And I think I also put these two on the same line just to mess with you. So... <laughs>
0: But yeah, so uh, Outer Wilds, I haven't actually had a chance to play yet. This goes in the same sort of category as Disco Elysium because it was highly recommended again over on Pixels. Both of these titles I have picked up. I was intending to play for today and just didn't get a chance to uh, between recording Pixels and now. But they came so highly recommended that, I mean, I can't ignore them. And As soon as Outer Wilds started to get compared to some Majora's Mask type gameplay, I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm done. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I haven't tried them yet, but I wanted to mention them to you guys because I know they very much flew underneath my radar. And so if uh, they flew under my radar, it means they didn't get talked about on the show. So wanted to make sure that I kind of brought those to your attention But Ryan, you put Outer Worlds on here too. So why don't you uh, talk about Outer Worlds a little bit there?
1: I did. And first of all, Outer Worlds is one of those games that I did probably put enough time into to discuss on the show. And I think it's just the way it landed with other games that I I was able to, oh, I'll play for another week and then I'll talk about it. I'll play for another week and I'll talk about it. And then it just never happened. But uh, with Outer Worlds, I really appreciate the idea of a Fallout-esque uh, game, be- but not being a two hundred-plus-hour epic. Outer Worlds is billed as that type of gameplay, but in a thirty-five-hour package, which is very digestible. Mm. And I love the gameplay in it. I love the dialogue. It's smart. It's witty. It's it's re- It's very fun. It's actually funny, which is hard to say about video games um very often i mean yeah often when they
0: attempt humor it's like they're trying too hard and you're just like oh guys come on
1: (laughs) yeah and i mean i know humor is uh, you know something it's subjective subjective, it totally is but personally i thought it funny and maybe jocelyn if you were to check it out you might not think the same things i thought were funny are funny but uh outside of luigi's mansion which we are totally on the same page in terms of how funny that is but uh with outer worlds what i really really appreciated was just the fact that you you land on a planet, and it's a finite sort of experience, you see there are like three places to visit four quests to do, you experience the story in that little section. And then you move on. And for me, as someone who has limited time to play, it's amazing to be able to finish something, you know? Yeah, it sounds like it's
0: very uh, compartmentalized. So it gives you the opportunity to sit down, you know, play for 45 minutes to an hour and then get up and walk away and you feel like you've done something start to finish yeah exactly i I really
1: i really appreciate that uh, that side of it and i think outer worlds would be something i try to check out a little bit more over the holidays and probably probably talk more about
0: i was gonna say probably into january because january is usually pretty quiet and Mm. kind of everything that you've been saying about outer world uh, uh, outer worlds really kind of resonates with me and control because I liked control the little bit that I got to play. And I, I kind of had that relationship with it where I was like, OK, today is going to be the day that I get back into control and I and I really spend some time in it. And, you know, I just I never I, I know you're probably uh, still further than I am. And, and you know, I just I, I know that I'm really going to like it. I have really liked it. I just haven't necessarily had the time to sit down and get into it. So I think like the the parts that I have experienced have been really good. The combat's been really fun. It's almost like Matrix esque, where yeah. you know, like you're you're kind of jumping and floating and and force pushing <laughs> things. Obviously, Star Wars is very on my mind right now, um, <laughs> so it's like it kind of gives you that kind of superhero esque feeling. Like you mm-hmm. get you get pretty powerful pretty quick and they layer that kind of fun combat in alongside of a very mysterious story. At first I was going to say confusing. And I'm like, confusing isn't necessarily it because they just kind of like drop you into the middle of something that's already happening where the characters on screen, including the character you're playing know a lot more and have a lot more pieces of the puzzle. So you're kind of watching their conversations as they're happening. And you're just like, Okay, I only understand about half of what's being said right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it's going to be important later. And I can tell by the way, like, the I think the the acting in Control is fantastic. Yeah. So, like, I know all of these things are really kind of my jam when it comes to video games. So I just need to find the time to really sit down and play Control. And uh, I think, yeah, hopefully, like you said, uh, over the holidays, I'm hoping to get some time in because I have a couple days Next week, we're going away uh, for Christmas, but they have a couple days next week that are going to be kind of downtime. So hopefully I can, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to take my laptop. I'm going to take my little, uh, my solid state drive that has all my games on it. And I'm just going to go play stuff on my laptop. It's not ideal, (laughs) but I'm going to go play some games. (laughs) That's Uh, the plan. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I I mean, not to work our way backwards, but Outer Wilds would probably be a great laptop game. It probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't break the, performance bank so to speak but uh control mm-hmm. is a very demanding game and and control is similar to outer worlds i i pre-purchased it uh i played a little bit at launch and then i kind of left it and then kept going back piecemeal to it and i think where i, I really dumped or jumped back into it was when you uh, played it to uh, just a couple weeks ago um and i've been playing it ever since and enjoying it on on the new monitor i'd picked up and I think Control will be another one in 2020, like early 2020, that I that I revisit and finish uh, to talk about because it, it is a game that is special. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 well crafted uh, across all all the things. And you're right, when you're engaging with characters, they're talking to you like you know what they're talking about even yes, though you don't yeah.
0: even though you have no idea what's going on <laughs> yeah
1: even your character doesn't and your character's just literally smiling and nodding and talking to her to herself right uh sort of but um i think there's uh there's a lot of special stuff to control and i'm really happy that they're going to be supporting it with dlc in the uh in the new year as well so mm-hmm. there'll be more to enjoy in 2020 which will help make our conversations relevant to uh to to new content uh, for that game so i'm excited
0: (laughs) yeah i'm really uh i'm i'm excited to get into all of that too because they're all experiences that i that i wanted to have a little bit more in 2019 but you know time is time so Time time. time is time Uh, but yeah, so, uh, these a couple more things that are kind of, uh, uh, one on your list, one on my list that are kind of similar in that they're very, uh, narrative games. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got a plague's tale. I've got telling lies and they're both, I think, uh, trying to tell a story and doing a very good job of it. And they were really interesting experiences. I think, um, telling lies since I didn't play her story was something very new to me. And I mean, speaking of the acting that was happening in Control, I mean, Telling Lies is all videos of people having one-sided conversations and the actors did such a good job. Like it was, it was very compelling. I sat down and played it in one sitting because I just, oh, wow. I just wanted to keep going. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, Telling Lies is definitely worth a mention because it's another one alongside uh, kind of Days Gone that I haven't really seen anybody talking about. So it's I think I think it's worth mentioning in the 2019 conversation
1: yeah no telling lies is one of those I, again homework uh outer wilds <laughs> telling lies control all this stuff I I, I want to check out and I think telling lies might be one of those games that I because I really love I loved her story and telling lies is one of those I'm going to probably check out on the steam sale uh when that's supposed to start in any day now but uh with the plague's tale i think i, I put it on here because i was just so surprised usually we like to build them as i'd say you know double a games we, what used to be known as budget titles but now it's just it's like a mid-size studio uh type game it's not like triple a like control but it's like a mid-size type experience i'm always i was surprised by plague's tale at how much it kind of stuck with us in terms of its story even its gameplay as well and I'm I'm looking forward to the sequel to that. I believe they've they've already announced there's going to be some sort of follow up uh, that was even teased at the end of A Plague's Tale. Maybe similar to uh, Man of Medan, where it's not a direct sequel, but in the similar sort of feel universe, right? So mm-hmm. I really I really liked A Plague's Tale. I'm glad we both got to play it this year and 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 talk about it. So uh, if folks are interested, definitely go back and and check out those episodes if you if you didn't listen to them already but A Plague's Tale is another one to to check out for sure
0: yeah Plague's Tale for me it was it was a pretty decent story I remember having a lot of kind of mechanical issues with it just the way that they chose to to deal with some of the different uh problems they presented you and sometimes it was just like straight up like I tried to do a thing and it wouldn't work (laughs) but um I still think it was it was better than like I would kind of in terms of like you were talking about like budget titles and stuff, it was very much like Vampire, except I got to the end of Plague Tale because it didn't have as many problems as Vampire, and oh. I think I had a better overall story. But it's kind of in that vein of like level of polish, maybe, is a good good way to to think about it. But yeah, I, I Plague Tale didn't make my list, but that's not to say it wasn't or it was a totally bad experience. To just I didn't look back at 2019 and go, oh, yeah, I love that one. I kind of looked back and went, oh, yeah, I had to finish that one.
1: I guess (laughs) I like I I mean, if I loved it, it would have been it would have been up on the top. list. I just kind of I feel it was one. worth worth a mention. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For
0: sure. Uh, Speaking of ones that are worth mentioning, I'm going to mention very, very quickly. And you can go back and see our episodes on these in particular uh, but Kindergarten 2 and Baba Is You are two titles that are, I think, worth mentioning because Kindergarten 2 had this amazingly hilarious sense of humor to it. It's all like pixel art, which is not something I tend to like. I don't like 8 or 16 or however many bits stuff in general. I know it's kind of like, or I I assume, I shouldn't say I know because I've never developed a game, but I think for... People developing indie titles, that sort of a style of animation is a whole lot easier than some of the more like 3d like crazy stuff. Uh, So, I mean, it, it has the 16 bit thing going for it, or I guess against it in terms of like my preferences when it comes to games, but the stories in it and the text and everything else and it's got this kind of like groundhog day style to it where you know like which actually is very similar to outer wilds from from what i was told over on pixels it has the kind of sort of like every day you go back to school the same options are available to you and certain things are only available at certain times of the day and you have to complete a whole bunch of steps in order to unlock things in the afternoon all very similar, all very Majora's Masky Groundhog Day, however you want to think about it. But it's like so it's this crazy big uh, kind of time oriented puzzle, and then on top of that, you've got this ridiculous sense of humor that involves killing most of the kids in your kindergarten class. So it's <laughs> like it's hilarious, <laughs> and it, most of them are like crazy wild ways too. Like,
1: <laughs> well, I remember when so, we were yeah. we were talking about it. I'm like what? is this game honestly? (laughs) it sounds more deranged than even five nights at freddy's like uh...
0: yeah it is it's pretty dark for sure and if you're not expecting it because it's a very bright and colorful game and it's literally called kindergarten like it it sounds like uh it's kind of like a lot of the initial like surface level stuff looks very much like school simulator But as soon as you get in and kind of dive into it and stuff, it's like the first day I didn't get back to the janitor in time and he like beat me to death with his mop. Like, (laughs) like it's crazy, but crazy in a really fun, good way. And I think uh, everyone should go and check it out. And then Baba is You is a really interesting and unique experience that I enjoyed a lot because it's basically... Uh, it, it's puzzles that you have to solve, but you have to solve in a way that involves kind of thinking like a programmer. It's almost like learning a programming language because you're essentially building the way the game works by moving words around and allowing and disallowing things to happen in every level. So it was a really unique puzzler and I really enjoy Programming, so it it kind of spoke to that part of my brain. So I really enjoyed it. It was unlike anything I'd ever played. So I thought it was worth uh, kind of throwing in the honorable mention section. Cool.
1: Well, uh, the last two games I put on my honorable mentioned were uh, Super Mario Maker Two, mainly because it is uh, it is an endless Mario game, and also I don't know, Jocelyn, if you saw the news, but they added uh, Link to super mario maker 2 in an update what yeah you can play zelda levels in the NES style does it have
0: like all of the i was gonna say does it have all of the like zelda assets and stuff
1: um well in the in the nes style like it has all the music uh i don't know if it if it brings over like a bunch of the enemies and stuff um but it's a very i think it's link sort of thrown into the mario world but it's just the nes style like no um and and Sorry, Super Mario Brothers NES style. So the one style of, of Link. But he has all his moves. He has his bow. He has a uh, his shield. He has the dash run. He's got bombs. Uh, so he's, he's all kitted out, even though those items weren't necessarily in the, uh, I believe, like, in that fashion in the NES game. Uh, but they're a lot of fun. So there are Zelda now, like, Link-based levels in Super Mario Maker 2 that you can check out. So definitely go check that out and i again oh, you a, know
0: i will <laughs> yeah
1: i think you dig it and you know honestly perfect if you're bringing a laptop for your christmas holidays i mean you, you got to bring your switch so update oh, super, mario Mar- <laughs> super mario maker 2 and check that out i i feel like this one's not going to make as many lists because it is a very i wouldn't call it safe sequel but it's a sequel to a very unique game but they kind of just built upon it you know they 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 put more stuff into it but nothing earth shattering um, I would say probably the most craziest thing they added was at launch the Super Mario 3D World stuff. And then now with the with adding Link to it, I, I really like sort of the precedent they're setting. And it's a free update, so you, anyone can check it out. Um, and the last one was uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the Star Wars game. And, and really the only reason I'm mentioning is because they, they made a good Star Wars game uh you know (laughs)
0: full stop they made a good star wars game thumbs up
1: (laughs) and that is uh funny enough star wars is one of those things where you'd think like do no wrong but really star wars has had a rough go in terms of trying to expand beyond sort of the mainline movies you know the tv shows have struggled the games have struggled like even some of the non sort of standard movies have had a rough go and i'm not a like a, a diehard star wars fan so i can say this but you know really wincing but the video games have not been great lately they've always had like (laughs) some pretty core issues uh but star wars jedi fallen order even though it does have the sort of dark souls style combat i still found myself really enjoying uh, a majority of it outside of a couple of moments where I, i kept dying but then i quickly realized like you know what i don't have to do this to myself i can go get stronger and then come back and take care of this you know i don't necessarily have to to ram my head against the wall with this with this optional sort of challenge uh but i really dug the story i dug the combat when i was blocking correctly and (laughs) all the exploration stuff was really cool sort of trying to complete all the maps and get all the power-ups so but yeah they made a good star wars game jocelyn it's uh it's a a life day miracle
0: I was going to say definitely worth a mention in yeah. Honorable Mentions for sure. Uh, so that's it, guys. That is our basically like, kind of like a, more than game of the year. I would say kind of 2019 in review. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a really fun, really good year. Uh, I had a lot of great experiences and stuff still to come with Control, Outer Wilds, Disco Elysium and the rest. So uh, do go check out the stuff that we've talked about. As Ryan mentioned, Steam sale is going to be starting any day now. So uh, hopefully you guys can get some deals on some of these awesome titles. That's going to do it for us this week. If you would like to give us some suggestions, again, for uh, our Friday, December 20th extra live stream of games that have really cool holiday events that you'd like to see us stream, head to bit.ly slash TGI discord, or you can email the show at info gamers in podcast.com. You can also visit us on the web at gamers in podcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at the Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Except not actually next week because we're taking a week off because of the holidays. But the week after that. Tune in next year. Yeah, tune in next year. What? (laughs)